You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, Director of Training Behavior at St. Hubert's Animal Welfare Center in Madison, New Jersey, and your host. I'd like to welcome a very special guest this week who has been on before, Dr. Suzanne Hetz. Dr. Hetz has helped thousands of pet parents to improve their pets' behavior and relationships. She's often called upon to consult with animal professionals, veterinarians, dog trainers, humane societies, and personal injury attorneys to help them understand and work with animal issues. Dr. Hetz and her husband, Dr. Dan Estep, are owners of Animal Behavior Associates, a pet behavior consulting firm in Littleton, Colorado. She's an award-winning international speaker and author of Pet Behavior Protocols, Raising a Behavioral Healthy Puppy, and other books, CDs, and videos. Today, we will be talking to Dr. Hetz about helping your dog be happy when he's home alone. One of the most common complaints that dog owners have is that their dog causes problems when they're left alone. They might bark, they might destroy things, soil in the house, or even escape from the property and cause headaches for the owners as well as, unfortunately, the neighbors. Dr. Hetz will help you to understand what's motivating your dog's home alone problems and what actions you can take to solve them. Even if your dog doesn't have any home alone issues, you'll find out ways to enrich his home alone time so he can be happier by himself. So before we meet Dr. Hetz, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsors. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Do you love your dog? Then you'll love feeding him mouth-watering, all-natural treats, lovingly handmade by a professional caterer who wanted the very best for her dogs. Make no mistake about it, these are not ordinary dog treats. These are doggy delights, like breakfast banana biscotti, honey bear peanut butter balls, yummy apple cinnamon mini cakes, and so much more. Your dog will howl in delight. And now you can get a scrumptious sample pack by going to dingersdogtreats.com. It's a $25 value, yours for just $9.95 through this special radio offer. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Every one of these gourmet doggy treats is handmade from the finest ingredients and taste tested on our own dogs. Your dog will love them. Get $25 worth of doggy delights now for just $9.95. Go to dingersdogtreats.com now. That's D-I-N-G-E-R-S, dingersdogtreats.com. Yum. Ladies and gentlemen, Pet Life Radio proudly presents DSPN, the Dog Sports and Performance Network. 
get ready to unleash the dog sports enthusiast in all of us. From ski touring and mushing to racing, agility, and competition, this is the place to learn all about the dog sports and activities that you can do with your furry best friend and canine competitor. So get ready for game time. DSPN with your host, Lori Williams. Every week, on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later. Welcome back. This is Pia Slavani, host of Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'd like to welcome today's guest, Dr. Suzanne Hetz, who will be talking to us about Home Alone. Thanks for joining us, Suzanne. Hi, Pia. Thanks for having me. I think this is a great topic because uh, so many people are so concerned about leaving their dogs home alone and what they'll do. And it's a difficult time when we get asked the question, when do you give them freedom and when do you not? So can you please tell us what you mean by home alone problems and how are you defining them? Well, what I'm talking about are behaviors that occur either exclusively when a dog is left home by himself or primarily when he's home alone. And we're talking about being home alone as far as being away from the owner, whether or not there are multiple dogs present. So behaviors that are primarily problems when the owner is gone from the house. Okay. And how common are home alone problems? Well, there haven't been any data um, collected about home alone problems overall, but I know that as far as separation anxiety goes, which is one of the types of home alone problems, that um, behaviorists in various parts of the country have looked at their caseloads, and they usually find that it's in the top three or five problems that they see. And it's also one of the more common problems, separation anxiety is anyway, in older dogs. It's one of the top three problems in older dogs as well. And when, you're, when you say older dogs, um, what age is approximately? Oh, around seven, eight um, years of age or older. Okay, okay. And what are some of the causes or motivations for these home alone problems that you see in dogs? Well, of course, I just mentioned separation anxiety, and that's only one type of home alone problems. I think many people just um, figure that if their dog is destructive or soiling in the house or escaping or barking too much when it's home alone, that it's automatically a separation anxiety problem, and that's just simply not true. Um, Separation anxiety refers to dogs that really become quite panicked when they're alone. That's one reason why dogs can have problems, but there are other ones as well. Probably the second most common reason, dogs just having a good time. You know, they're home by themselves, they're, they're active, they're looking for something to do, and they find that getting into the trash or shredding the couch cushion is much better than just pacing around the house with nothing to do. So just normal play, investigative behavior is, is another um, common reason for these problems. And I would say maybe the third one is some other kind of fear or phobic reaction where the dog hears a noise, for example, and gets frightened and becomes um, destructive or soils in the house. Um, 
I guess one last one would be if a dog is um, showing some sort of aggressive or territorial behavior where it's watching somebody walk by outside and it one just tries to get to those folks and ends up being destructive at doors and windows. That can sometimes be mislabeled separation anxiety until people really um, videotape what's going on. Yeah, I, I like that you brought up the fact about videotaping because obviously you brought up four really good points. And in order to be able to deal with the problem, you really have to know what's what's causing the problem. Absolutely. And when you're not there, really the only way to find that out is to, if you have a cooperative neighbor and you're dealing with a dog who's outside, is to get the um, the neighbor to watch for you and give you some reports or set up a video camera. Um, it's very difficult, I think, for owners to, quote, sneak back and watch their dog without the dog realizing that they're there. Um, we've also used for um, some dogs um, baby monitors where you can drive down the block, and if you get a video baby monitor, you can also um, get some very good information that way. Oh, that's a great point. That's perfect. Excellent. If separation anxiety isn't the cause of home alone problems, how can the owner tell if it really is separation anxiety or it's not? Because so many people call me up and they, they say, my dog has separation anxiety. And I have to admit, most of the time, once I get a history, it is not separation anxiety. So can you expand upon that? Well, I agree with you. I think it is mislabeled a lot. By definition, um, Dr. Victoria Voigt, who is a veterinary behaviorist now at um, Western University in California, she did some research when she was at Pennsylvania over 20 years ago and really found um, several manifestations that were correlated to define separation anxiety. One of them being that whatever the behavior manifestation is, whether it's destructiveness or house soiling, whatever, but it generally occurs within 20 to 30 minutes after the owner leaves the home. You often see these dogs, not always, but often, you see them reacting to the owner's departure cues, their preparations to leave. They become very agitated or sometimes very, quote, depressed when they can predict that the owner is going to leave. Um, you also see the behaviors occur very consistently. Every single time the dog is left alone, the behavior happens. If it's not separation anxiety, it can occur on a much more inconsistent or random basis. And finally, with separation anxiety, you see most of the destructive behavior, for example, directed at doors and windows um, as though the dog was trying to follow the owner. If the dog is getting into the trash or carrying up magazines, that's probably not separation anxiety. So we could possibly call that separation fun. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the home alone party dog. That's right. That's right. Um, some people have also said to my dog, uh, they've been told to maybe leave the dog with lots of yummy chew toys. Uh, but people have said that dogs never chew on a bone or they don't play with toys when they're home alone. I think that's a really good point. I think that... If um, if you're dealing with a dog who's just looking for stuff to do, that those toy enrichment items can be quite helpful. But if the dog is anxious or panicked, you're right. They're not going to touch the toys. They're not going to take the treats. And actually, when you're working with a separation anxiety problem and you do some planned absences and leave some goodies for the dog, that can be a very good barometer of whether or not the anxiety is getting better with your work because if it is, 
then over practice sessions, the dog should be able to take the treats during brief absences where he wouldn't in the beginning. So if your dog is really not eating or drinking or playing when he's left alone, then it may very well be a separation anxiety problem. Great, great. Can you give us some examples of cases that you've seen that owners thought might be separation anxiety, but it really wasn't? Well, you know, we were talking a little bit ago about the home alone party dogs, and I was called in a couple of years ago for a pair of boxers, and the um, female was consistently urinating in the house when the owners were gone. And like you, I, I took a history, and it just didn't seem to fit with separation anxiety. So I said, let's videotape these guys. So we set up a video camera, and no sooner had the door closed behind the owners than these dogs had a party. And they were chasing each other over the back of the couch, running laps around the kitchen, jumping over the coffee table, pulling the cushions off the couch. And after about five minutes of this, the um, female had been, you know, so agitated and excited that she just went over and peed in this one spot in front of the stairs. She wasn't anxious at all. She'd just been having her morning exercise and then had to stop for a pee break. So <laughs> that was really um, one example that the owners just laughed when they saw that videotape because these dogs were party and hearty. <laughs> and I guess it really has to be a relief as well, too. Well, it really was for these guys because they were so concerned that their dogs were panicked and uncomfortable and scared. And then to see that they were just having a good time and, and playing, it did make it, you know, it made them feel better in one way, but it kind of irritated them in another because it's like, you know, you're tearing up my couch and you're just having a good time here. <laughs> right, that's right. At my expense. <laughs> exactly. One of the common strategies that people are given, maybe they hear about or they read about, is to confine their dog in a crate when they're gone to prevent the house soiling or to prevent destruction or escaping. Uh, what is your recommendation on that and what, what do you think about that? Well, I think before choosing a crate as a management option, um, a person really needs to know what's motivating these behaviors. Because crates can be um, wonderful short-term management tools for young dogs who just really aren't mature enough yet to be left alone any more than you would leave a toddler alone in the house. So for those kinds of problems where it's a young dog um, just needs um, supervision or confinement because he's just not old enough to control his impulses, so to speak, I think crates are fine when they're used for reasonable time frames. But if you're dealing with a dog with separation anxiety or some other noise phobia that might be motivating these behaviors, then the crate is the absolute wrong thing to do. So it really, you, people really need to do their homework and find out what's motivating these behaviors before they just jump on a crate to, to prevent this destructiveness or, or house soiling because the crate can be just the wrong thing to do if you're dealing with a fear or phobia. Yeah, that's another good point that you brought up. And some people say, well, then how about a very small room, like a closed room, a, a bathroom, or I know a lot of people end up putting these dogs down in the basement. What are your thoughts on that? Well, same sort of thing. You know, if you're dealing with just a young dog who, who needs some, some restrictions, I think in some ways a small room for those guys may be better than a crate because it allows them a little bit more mobility. But for the panic dog, when dogs are fearful or panic, they're going to more or less get out of whatever you try to put them in or else they're going to hurt themselves doing it. 
Um, we've seen videotapes of dogs being confined in these big pens and these unfinished basements sometimes that people construct. And it's just heartbreaking to watch these dogs on video because they are so distressed and, and just so, it's, it's just not a good quality of life for a dog and not a good thing to do with a dog who's very fearful. Many of these owners, when they see the tapes, it just, it, they're quite disturbed by them. So um, for short-term management, absolutely, it's a great deal. For a panic dog, absolutely not. Now, what if someone, you know, they've got a brand new house, all new furniture, and they want to train their dog uh, to use the crate? Are there any recommendations that you give out for training instructions? Well, yes, we did a a product for PetSmart. Um, It's called Crate Training the Right Way. It's about a 45, 50-minute program. It's a DVD. People can get it at their local PetSmart store. I think it's like $9.95. And it really goes through step-by-step how to introduce a dog to a crate. Um, Again, it's a myth that dogs are, quote, denning animals and are therefore going to automatically accept being confined in a crate. That's just simply not true. Um, People need to do a gradual acclimation process. And the biggest thing that I see people not do is even if they do a nice job of getting the dog used to being in the crate when they're home, then they go away for hours at a time and they don't do that general acclimation to the crate when they're alone, when the dog is alone. So they need to do the short absences with the dog crated as well as acclimating the dog to the crate in their presence. Both things need to be done. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, let's take a short break to hear from our sponsors. And when we return, we'll be talking to Dr. Suzanne Hetz about home alone problems. Stay with us. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. That's it. You're madder than a junkyard dog, and you're not going to take it anymore. Your feathers are ruffled, your dander is up, and you've got a definite bone to pick. Join us each week on Pet Peeves, the show that lets you dig through the dirt and unleash your passion for pets. Your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Amy Shojai, will talk about what makes you howl and what hisses you off. Pet Peeves, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com.
Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention, there may be a quiz later. Welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. This is Pia Silvani, your host, and joining us is Dr. Suzanne Hetz, a certified applied animal behaviorist, talking to us about dogs having problems when they're left alone. Before we went to break, uh, Suzanne, you were talking about crate training. If a person comes home and finds their dog has made some kind of a mess in their absence, um, first, what should they do? And secondly, can dogs connect punishment with something they did maybe four hours prior? Yes, that's a good question, Pia. The first thing they should do is take a deep breath and count (laughs) 10. (laughs) Because it can be quite disturbing to walk into a mess. I mean, I've walked into the trash thrown from one end of my house to the other. I've walked home to um, pillows torn up and, and stuffing all over the room. So any of us who have pets, you might as well expect that you're going to lose something you care about because you live with a dog. So get over it. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is... is well, that, I have to say, I never have because I'm perfect. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, all these trainers who have these perfect dogs and they've never misbehaved. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there, so we can all empathize with the listeners who, who are walking into the messes. So, as I say, take a deep breath, count to 10, and just, um, you know, get over it. Um, what you don't want to do in that situation is to try to punish or discipline or correct the dog because he's just not going to understand it. And what people think is that if there's some sort of evidence of misbehavior, whether you know it's the trash or the torn up couch or whatever it is, if there's some evidence of the misbehavior that you can point to and go to the dog, what did you do? And then you get these what people call guilty looks with the dog laying its ears back and rolling over and maybe even urinating. Um, Those are all submissive behaviors that are not guilty looks. They're just the dog reacting to the owner's um, threats of punishment. And what I like to tell people is, you know, what if you came home and your neighbor came over and said, you know, your dog's been barking all day nonstop. Would you walk over and, and punish your dog for barking all day? And, of course, people go, no. And I go, well, why not? Well, they say because he wouldn't know what I was punishing him for. And the exact same thing holds true for destructiveness or soiling in the house. Dogs don't connect the evidence of the misbehavior with the actual behavior itself. And people can really create some relationship problems with their dogs if they try to punish them, if they don't catch them misbehaving. Because to the dog, the owner becomes this crazy person who for no reason will just start, you know, yelling and wailing at them when they walk in the door. And so the dog can become very fearful of the owner's return because they expect it to result in punishment, even when they haven't really done anything, quote, wrong. Yeah, they dogs must think that we are crazy human beings because sometimes we come home in a good mood and other times we come home screaming. So we really are quite unpredictable. That's right. And that's the last thing a dog needs is unpredictability. And some of these dogs, because they're trying to make sense of their world, they learn that in the presence of a mess, whatever that is, and in the presence of their owner, they learn that when those two things are present, bad things are going to happen. 
But if there's no mess and the owner comes home, then they don't hide or act afraid because they know that just the owner's presence by itself is kind of a safety cue. So they can make this discrimination that owner and mess is bad, mess by itself is not bad. You know, they don't walk around the house all day looking guilty when they're home by themselves. Or owner without the mess is okay. It's just the two things together that that create problems. Right, right. You talked about um, guilt and guilty. Other words that I'm sure you've heard of too many, many times over, the dog is being spiteful or he's being revengeful or he's getting back at me for whatever reason. Um, Why don't you expand upon that a little bit? Well, those are really reasons why people do things. We certainly try to get back at people sometimes or um, react in a rebellious way. We don't like people telling us what to do. But applying applying those human motivations to animals is probably not an accurate interpretation of why they do things. Probably people have heard the term anthropomorphism, and that's exactly what that is, is applying human um, motivations and characteristics to animals. And animals are... To, to be anthropomorphic, animals are much better people than we are because they're much more straightforward in their reactions, and we have no evidence that they behave in those ways. That's that's not a helpful way to view the problems because it doesn't give you any tools with which to change the behavior. Great, great. Now, here's I'm going to ask you a question that's one of my favorite topics, and I know it's yours as well, so that's why I have to throw it out to you. Um, there are a lot of training books out there that say that dogs that will relieve themselves in the house or that destroy things, um, uh, the reason is that the owner is not a good leader or isn't dominant over the dog. Um, I want your opinion on that. And does dominance have anything to do with these problems? Well, the short answer to the um, question is no. And (laughs) as, as you probably agree, And when we look at these problems, or the idea of dominance, let's say, we have to realize that what you read in many popular training books and what's popular on TV programs now is utterly disconnected from the science of animal behavior. And this is a quite a complex topic that we're not going to have time to go into in this show. Maybe we can do another one on pack leadership ideas, but... Dominance is about competition over something. That's how social hierarchies are created and how animal behaviorists study them is to look at who wins and who loses in direct competition over some kind of valuable resource. And when your dog is doing something when he's home by himself to manage his world, either deal with fear or find something to do, has nothing to do with competition. So that's kind of the short answer to to that question is that these problems have nothing to do with competition, so they have nothing to do with dominance. They're just about a dog figuring out um, how to cope with his world. Perfect. And I do like your idea on doing another segment on pack leadership, and I'm sure our audience will as well. So we will definitely have you back on that. Cool. What are some of the first things people should do if they come home to a mess? Well, after they counted to 10 and taken their deep breath and cleaned it up, if it's happening often enough that it's become a concern, 
then they probably need to start doing some detective work and really begin to gather some information about what might be motivating this behavior. Um, And as we talked about, there's four or five different common reasons for it, whether it's separation anxiety, whether it's a dog looking for something to do. And keep in mind that on any given day, any dog can turn anything into a chew toy. So I would suggest that they start maybe even keeping a log and from that point forward and then begin to look back and try to remember the pattern of these behaviors. Have they been happening um, really consistently? Have they been very inconsistent? Have they been happening every Tuesday? We had a dog one time who was afraid of the sounds the trash trucks made when they came weekly to pick up the trash. And so we were seeing destructive behavior almost on a weekly basis. Um, have they just started since there was new construction going on next door? Really try to ferret out a pattern for the problem. And if they can't do that on their own, then they might want to think about um, seeking professional help because sometimes an outsider and a professional can see patterns that the owner might miss or at least know what information the owner needs to gather to help figure out what's going on. This is not an easy behavior to deal with, obviously. So what's involved in helping the dog overcome if it's truly separation anxiety? Well, you're right. It's it's a complicated process. But the short answer to that is that an owner needs to help a dog learn to be more comfortable, calm, and relaxed at being left alone. And that needs to be done in a series of gradual steps. Oftentimes, we also need to work with the departure cues because many dogs, their panic starts when they can predict that the owner's getting ready to leave the house. So that needs to be our starting point. And sometimes these behavior modification um, programs can be combined with uh, medication prescribed by a veterinarian so that the owners can manage the problem in the short term and also have a better behavioral starting point at which to start behavior modification. Great. Uh, and I didn't ask you this question earlier, um, but you, you did bring it up, um, actually, when you were answering this question. So many owners say to me, is it something that I did? Did I cause this problem? Uh, what is your answer to that? That's a really good question. And, and I empathize with that person who's asking it. And I would say no. From what we know, we don't fully understand the causes of separation anxiety, but again, from Dr. Voigt's research, there seems to be no correlation with what owners do. Um, I know that, again, there's some mythology out there in some of the training books that, oh, the owner has spoiled the dog or overindulged him, and that's why he's got a separation anxiety problem. And I will tell you that I don't think that there are two more spoiled dogs on earth than mine. And I've never had a separation anxiety problem with any of my dogs. So this idea that it's an over-attachment to the owner is too much of an oversimplified information or explanation. It's got to do more with the dog's ability to cope with being left alone. And for reasons that we don't fully understand, some dogs can better cope with that than others. I'm so glad you brought that up because I'm sure that's going to be such a huge relief to so many pet owners out there because I know for a fact that they blame themselves. And I also know for a fact that 
my two dogs are probably equally as spoiled as yours, <laughs> and and they don't have no separation anxiety either. I think it's a, it's just trying to point the finger at an owner for any behavior problem and saying you're the cause of it is just unfair. I think and demeaning. Certainly, people sometimes react in ways that don't help the problem and may contribute to it. But as far as being the sole cause, I think that's just an oversimplification and, and in some cases just flat out wrong. One more question before we end. Um, do toys help and how about giving them more exercise? That's You hear that advice given lots of times. Well, certainly for the dogs who, who are very young and they're getting into trouble because they're looking for something to do, those sorts of approaches can be quite helpful. But for the panic dog, for the fearful dog, exercise and, and play don't help overcome fear. So there again, owners need to go back and do their homework and figure out what's motivating the problem. And just for a, a good quality of life for a dog, certainly exercise and, and play toys are great anyway. And if, if it's a destructive problem because they're looking for something to do, then I would definitely recommend that. And as you know, there's lots of many uh, or lots of toys out there these days that you can fill with food that can keep a dog um, um, amused for quite some time um, frames, quite a long time. So those would be great choices for those kinds of problems. Yeah, and I think on the exercise note too, I think also if maybe if owners start off very when the when the puppy's young and giving them enough exercise so they're tired and they're napping when they're alone, that might help with their ability to cope to be alone. Correct? Yeah. Yeah, I think most dogs are under exercised. So I think that's just a good recommendation in general. Um, that the more physical activity, the more play time, social play that the dog gets, you can't hardly do it too much. No, great. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. I'd like to thank uh, Dr. Hetz for joining us. Suzanne, do you have any additional resources for our audience to help them with this problem? Well, we have several resources on our website. We did a um, teleclass on managing the home alone dog that was geared toward professionals, um, but certainly there's good information in there that pet owners can utilize. They can find that at helpingfido.com, um, our CD on managing the home alone dog. They can find the toys that we mentioned on our websites as well as at many large um, pet stores. And then we also have a program on the counter conditioning and desensitization techniques that are used for separation anxiety and other fear-related problems available at helpingfido.com as well. Terrific. Once again, thank you for such good information. Don't forget, everyone, next week we'll be doing our live training session. So come ready again with your tug toy, bag of treats, and always your dog. A special thanks to our producers for making the show happen. If you'd like a transcript of the show or any other shows on Pet Life Radio Network, please go to PetLifeRadio.com and click on Teacher's Pet. Also, if you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future shows, please feel free to email me anytime at Pia, P-I-A, at PetLifeRadio.com. So until next time, this is Pia signing off. Thank you, Suzanne, and thank you, everyone, for your interest in Pet Life Radio. Schools in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.